Beauchart International presents Fresh Talk, conversations about creativity in the 21st century. I'm Kathy Bird, Fresh Art producer, and today I'm in The Hague with Kate Moore. Kate is an Australian musician and composer of new music based in the Netherlands. Active on the international scene, her works have been played by acclaimed ensembles including Asko Schoenberg, the Bang on a Can All-Stars, the Grand Band, Strack, the Amsterdam Cello Octet, Trio Scordatura, Two Cents, the Song Company, Ensemble Clang, and Iraprise Orchestra. Her compositions have also been played in many classical music venues as well as alternative spaces, including the Sydney Opera House, Carnegie Zenkel Hall, Concertgebouw Amsterdam, Musikgebouw Amsterdam. She's played in both institutional art spaces and alternative art spaces in Ireland, Australia, and the Netherlands. Kate, you began your musical life as a musician, of course. Um, I was trained as a classical cellist, and I've also played the piano for many years. So I've played all the classical repertoire. And recently, I've acquired a new instrument, which is an electric cello, a five-string electric cello, which goes down to the low F. So it's almost the same register as a double bass. So I can play the low stuff, which has opened a whole new kettle of fish. Having said that, the whole time that I've been trained as a a performer, I've also been a composer, and in recent years, even from when I was very little, composition is my main thing. I think basically I started writing music at the same time as learning to read music, so my way of engaging with music was to make up my own stuff. (laughs) Even before I knew that you could get manuscript paper, I was drawing my own lines and making my own notes. How old were you when you first started playing uh, music? Officially, uh, when I was about seven, I think. Um, my, my mother tried to teach me the recorder <laughs> before that, right? And we, all, we always had a piano in the house, and my mum is also quite a passionate amateur musician, so she was encouraging me to play even from a very early age. Um, and I took out the cello when I was ten. I'm wondering about your creative process as a composer. What motivates your compositions? How do you work? It completely depends on the project, actually. Every piece is different. Quite often, it's a project, like I work on commissions, so an ensemble or a group of players approach me with a, with a project, and then usually they would say something like, it has to be a certain length and it has to be finished by this time. <laughs> and that's usually good enough for me to start coming up with ideas and imagining how I want it to sound and usually starts as a concept at first um, and gradually works its way onto paper. I usually sketch out ideas and notes on on manuscript paper and while that keeps going like you just keep building up material and, and writing notes, building, drawing pictures. I draw a lot of pictures actually to sort of find your way into what the piece wants to be and usually at some point after lots of hard work it clicks and you know the dimensions, you know the character and the personality of the piece and then it all starts to come together very quickly. And at that process I um, then start to build up a score and the score gets um, refined 
towards the end, I work on a notation program, um, which then has a, um, like, that's, that would be the final score that I would present to the musicians. For whom are you writing? Essentially, I'm writing for um, people who are in love with the uh, world of sound and the, my- and the mysterious um, places that a sound world can take you. It, it's a, an extraordinary, exciting place to go. Are all of your concepts and your, your compositions as abstract as the ones I've been coming upon? Well, essentially, I don't think in, in terms of particular styles okay. when I write. It, it's, a, like it's very much about me engaging with the, with the concept or the idea. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I work a lot with classical acoustic instruments, and in which case I, I do work with that language. So I would say it is of classical heritage or classical contemporary heritage, um, and a lot of it's about reinterpreting music theory or like very clear um, musical parameters, um, which build the basic um, blocks for the um, for the concept or the or the language that you express the the piece with, mm-hmm. um, I, I think of my music as being um, very much about kind of architectural structures in a way, or spaces that you enter into. Um, that it's not a material space, but a sonic space, um, and uh, about uh, like opening up areas and closing areas and, and dimension and perspective. That's the, that, that's the thing that really interests me and I take the audience on a, a journey into that um, sp- into that space. That's beautiful. I'd love to talk about two of the new works that you've presented just this year in 2012. The first one I came upon was called Days in Nature that was premiered by Asko Schoenberg Ensemble in April of this year and It's described as exploring the gradual evolution of a growing tree from a sapling to maturity amidst the canopy inside a forest. I would love to hear more about that. Um, I was, well, the inspiration for the piece was basically I had this little cellular tune in, in my head, which I couldn't get out of my head. And I was thinking about what it was and, and the, like, the idea of, of um, uh, where it comes from and what its intention is, because um, it's a very mysterious thing when you have music running in your head. <laughs> so I was thinking about it, and I, I concluded that um, it's kind of similar to a seed that just sort of lands. Like, a, like for example, you, you have these um, these seed pods flying through the air at certain times of the year, which are which come from, from trees or from, from bushes. They're floating through the air and they just gradually land somewhere, wherever mm-hmm. that might be, a piece of soil somewhere. And when they land, they gradually take root and, and begin to um, develop into a, in, into a seedling, which then gradually grows and becomes more fibrous and branches out and the, the branches grow in all directions and become, eventually becomes a, a, a tree. Um, so this piece is is about that. It's about exploring the growth of a seedling, like in a, a little this little tune, <laughs> and how it very organically um, builds up and 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 becomes um, a, a piece. Something much bigger and complex. 
Exactly. Well, the little melody goes. And gradually it unfolds and becomes more complicated. And that sound that we just heard was the, the sound in your head? Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. I was sitting at the tram stop and it was just in my head. Perfect. <laughs> this piece while you were in residence at Montsalvat Artist Colony in Melbourne. Yes. And I understand it features a sound machine. Um, yes, that's true. Um, so it's a, it's a funny story. Um, I, I added a, a machine and it's a very specific um, reason for that because when I was at Montsalvat in, in Melbourne, I had this wonderful studio which was a basically a, a dairy farm I can't even really say that it was a converted dairy farm although there were no cows it, it, it was all like it was white whitewash it's this amazing property set up in the early 20th century by a community of, of free-thinking artists <laughs> they bought this huge um, property and together in a very kind of hippie like communal way um, designed their own buildings based on their fantasy of the perfect building or wherever their imagination took them. So so there's one part of the property which is a big um, Tudor feast hall and then there's a like a Gothic chapel and then there's a Tuscan villa and then there's a, <laughs> there's a rural farmhouse and it just it, it's scattered with all these crazy buildings which are all hand designed and made by the artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really fascinating place. So but I was in the dairy farm (laughs) in the dairy shed which was basically a completely empty space just had a bed and a desk um, which was perfect the only part problem with the space was it was next to a guitar maker studio which in itself was a fantastic thing because the guitar maker was so interesting and lovely and was making his instrument but at a certain time of the day every day he turned on an electric saw Um, which was to cut the wood. And this was, I, I had a very regular routine. I, because I was also jet-lagged, I woke up very early in the morning, so I was working in the morning from maybe 4 o'clock until 8 o'clock solidly on my piece. And then at 9 o'clock, the electric saw would come in, and it would always be sort of like an interruption to the to this um, this world of imagination in, inside my head that was going on. And I, and, and I came to... Like I came to use that as an analogy for kind of a forest as as well. Like what what's going on in your head is like the forest growing. It's it it, it does its own thing. It's like a an ecosystem in its own right, which goes along with a growing tree as well. It's growing in a garden in or a forest in in the head, but then it's being interrupted by the outside world. And in this case, it was a machine. And I was thinking about forests and and also about the environment and about how. Um, nature and is being interrupted by kind of um, uh, the human intervention um, and also like if you go walking in a forest it's quite rare to not hear some sort of um, thing like a car driving past or a plane flying overhead or, or, or trees being cut down and, and I thought that it was quite sort of topical to bring that in so 
So what sounds come into the piece? So the, so you have this instrumental piece, which is growing <clears throat> a, a very organic, and then at a certain point in the piece, a machine just turns on. <laughs> it doesn't do anything other than it's just on. So you, it's interrupting the music, but at the same time, it's also coexisting with the music um, mm. because it kind of adds a kind of industrial mechanical sound to this kind of sprawling um, instrumental texture. The other new piece that you created this year was engraved in stone, and I see it was commissioned by a foundation here in the Netherlands. It was premiered um, a few weeks ago. It's commissioned by the Fonds Podium Kunst in Netherlands, which is a big national organization for supporting um, music art or performance art in particular. And it was performed at the Musica Sacra um, Festival. But the piece itself, or the, 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 the program, the, cons- the concept of the program, which was designed by the Strack Orchestra before, like for the, the commission, um, was the concept of the end of time according to the Mayan calendar, which is topical, of course, because that's this year on the 21st of December. And you composed this to feature the accordion. It's actually for for four accordions and bass accordion with a string orchestra. So it's a a monstrous sound that, that you can get. It's very rich. The accordion and strings blend in an exciting way. They, in, in a way, they, the chemistry of the two instruments really kind of um, work together. They, they mix. But every accordion is a little bit out of tune, <laughs> which is not a bad thing because it's such a hard instrument to tune because you have to actually whittle away at, at reeds inside this big thing, and there are so many of them. So um, it, it's not something that you can do extremely easily. So when they're on stage... They can't tune with each other. It's, it's whatever tuning you get, <laughs> and then and, and then that in combination with the strings, which are also tricky to tune because you have so many individual ideas of temperament, and so it's all just a teeny bit out of tune with itself, which is completely not to do with the performance, but just to do with the situation, which I find fascinating, and because it also adds something magic to the sound because when you get lots of instruments that are slightly out of tune with each other they kind of combine to make a different sound and in this piece I work with the instruments that they're also moving notes between each other very rapidly so you have one note there and then the same note appears in different points around the group which creates a tremolo sort of effect which creates an oral illusion or sonic illusion of something which sounds a little bit like voices which aren't really there or there's like a mysterious layer of sound which isn't actually there it sounds like a choir in the background which it's an invisible choir (laughs) when we met you were in residence at the mcdowell colony in new hampshire i think you were working on something new when i met you yes the mcdowell colony is just one of these um God sends. I, I, I can only put it that way. It's just such um, a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to um, have a place set aside just for artists to go and create, where they just for a period of time can escape the distractions of, of everything and just go into their own world. And in the countryside, in the forest, where there's porcupines and and uh, all sorts of wildlife around the place, 
it's quiet and it's fresh air and it's just it's uh, it's like medicine really um medicine for everything and uh, not not just creativity but yeah so while i was there i was working on two pieces i was working on the um, i was working on engraved in stone and i was also working on a new piece for double bass which is for robert black who's also an american um bass player that piece is called the hermit thrush and the astronaut which is about um well the hermit thrush is a bird which uh, was at the McDowell Colony. It was sitting outside my studio in the evenings singing, and it's the most beautiful sound. Um, the, the curious thing about the, the bird is that uh, he makes up a little melody. He, he always sings a similar melody, but it's always different. He, he always varies it. Like it's kind of like in, in four parts. I can't sing it to you right now, but each part is constantly getting longer and shorter, and, and he adds a few more little flourishes here and there. Um, which I thought was quite fitting. So the idea of the piece is based on that, the idea of, of, of expanding and, con and contracting, following the same material, but it, it's growing and, and shrinking and, and details are added in, in, in between. Here in The Hague, you are in residence again, but a different kind of residence at the Theatre Dakota. What does that mean? It's a completely different sort of residency. It's, it, it's actually more like a, an open space for me to develop a project. I don't live there or work. I, I don't um, go there to work. But um, basically, there's a, it's a new theatre um, that's opened up. He wants to broaden the, the audience, so people from the community, as well as bring in creative people, new, people in new music, but also other fields. I, I, I'm set, setting up a... A, a new music concert series, which is uh, called Handmade Homegrown, which is specifically about individuals and, and groups uh, who work in the field of sound primarily, although it's not, there's a, it's a little bit broader than that, but primarily sound, who kind of, who do it and make it for themselves. So people who perform their own work, for example, um, people who make installations, people who, who are on the site creating something. It's more practical, it's more from the ground roots up, uh, creative open space. And it, it doesn't, I, I don't want it to promote a particular style, I just want it to be completely, you have these unique, amazing creative people that, that come in and create their own thing without any thing to fit into, <laughs> so they're completely free. It's not just local, um, we have people from all over the place coming. I mean, I have a few people from America coming, people such as Chris McIntyre. I also have people like um, big international stars like Monica Gimino, who, who, who performed la uh, at the last concert. She was the one to open it, who is performing on, on, on an amplified violin, so the big electroacoustic soundscape. Works by uh, people such as Louis Andreessen, Julia Wolfe, uh, Michael Gordon and uh, Donica Dennehy, who are also big names in, in our field. She has a very close sort of collaborative process with a with Frank Van der Vey, who's a who, who's a sound artist and also sound engineer. They, I'm very attracted to what they're doing of, of kind of at a very high level the two art forms together as a duo. So it's it's vi uh, amplified violin and sound. And then um, I'm also encouraging some people to make installations, and we have. A UK artist, Matthew Wright, who's a turntablist composer, um, to be here, and he's collaborating with Evan Parker, for example. And then we also have local 
groups are also very high quality, like Ensemble Clang, for example. So I think it's going to be a very exciting program. We have 10 concerts. As a composer, you are allowing musicians to interpret your work, and that's a risk that you're taking. Your music might be altered from what you had imagined in your head or wrote down. How do you deal with that? Well, um, it's a really interesting question. Uh, essentially, um, uh, the, the best experience that you can have working with performers is, is that they put their um, absolute integrity into interpreting the score that, that you've given it, but then they also bring their own personality to it so that it comes alive. I think it's a very vital and inspiring process in that respect. It's a little bit, I, can, I think it's a little bit like um, when you do score-based pieces. It's a little bit like working with, if you're an actor, working with a play, that they're interpreting the words. Essentially, if they're high quality, of course, they're very accurate. They don't necessarily change the music or, or, the, or the words if we're talking about plays, but there's something else that they bring to it, something that comes comes out in the music, um, which is which is very interesting. For example, I, because you can come at it at, lo at lots of different ways, and lots of people explore different ways of working with performers. Some people thrive on, on directing an improvisation, for example. Um, uh, and your work is not improvisational. No, not not really. No, um, I, I have worked with improvising in the past, and and sometimes I work with sort of more aleatoric elements in the music as well, but essentially I'm, I'm very strict about the score. We've talked about places that your, your music has been performed, but if you had your dream come true, where would you like to see it played? Oh, um, difficult question, that one. <laughs> well, I, I love to have the freedom to, to explore and, and with every piece or every project it's it's starting from from scratch so I, in my dream is to be able to continue the process of, of having the exciting and uh, liberating experience of being in somewhere completely different every time <laughs> um, I love art galleries I love the sound of art galleries and working in kind of a free space where people don't have to sort of sit down in a very rigid way um, I, and I, I just love the quietness of galleries as well, like having art on the wall or, or around, for me, is the perfect place for where music should happen. Um, I think the two belong together, without question. Whom would you like most to play what you compose? At the moment, I'm quite... Um, I would love to work for sort of... Uh, well, I've, I'm developing <laughs> developing a way of working with grand scale forms. <laughs> I actually love the idea of working for something very traditional, which goes completely against what I just said. But I like an an orchestra. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I love the idea of uh, working with the, with these big sound, sound world possibilities. Um, but that's just a current way of thinking, and um, just due to what I've been working on in the past, leading up to what I would like to be working on. But I have a, a philosophy, or it just it's the way I like to work, of, of being able to think on my feet. I, I, I love to work with um, whatever resources I've got and make an orchestra out of whatever it is, whether it's a solo snare drum or whether it's 
a, a series of percussionists playing stones or whether it's a string orchestra or whether it's a, a solo cellist. So I think you can, you, you can make an orchestra out of absolutely anything. <laughs> you told me earlier you are launching your own ensemble this November. I am. That's it's exciting. Really, I'm, so, um, I'm so geared up for, for it. It's going to be great. It's, um, the group is called RPM Electro. Um, and and uh, the, the title is, a, um, well, originally it has two things, like RPM means rate per minute, so which has the idea of speed. But mm-hmm. it didn't actually come from that. It actually came from, I wanted to create a fictitious character. <laughs> and the fictitious character has a name, which is Reginald Percival Magnolia. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, uh, in, in fact, one of the artists at, at McDowell, Mike Estabrook, made a M- Reginald Percival Magnolia character, like a puppet. So it's very exciting. The, the, our first show will be November 3 at um, a series, and um, the ensemble is a... Is a pretty crazy group of um, players consisting of electric harp, electric cello, which is my instrument, um, a keyboard voice, doubling, well, voice doubling keyboards. um, uh, Michaela Reiner is is a great friend of mine. She's also got the most stunning voice, and I I just love to work with her. And um, uh, electric guitar and percussion and trumpet. Um, So it's kind of like... An electric band, but it's not a, a band per se. It's, it's, a, it's. Well, I don't know what it's going to be. It's a new thing. <laughs> we'll see. listening to Fresh Talk with Kate Moore. Read more about Kate and hear other podcasts in this series on freshartinternational.com.